Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Digital Coach. I'm your host Ben Kamara and today I'm feeling empowered. I've just finished a chat with the brilliant Cornelia Lucy. Cornelia is a positive psychologist, senior executive coach and consultant and we dive deep into the topic of social connection and why it's such an important part of all our lives as human beings. And more importantly, what we can do as personal trainers and fitness professionals to better serve our clients, especially through this troubling time. I hope you enjoy this episode. And as always, click subscribe and stay healthy. So Cornelia, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. It's absolutely wonderful to talk with you Ben because it's been a couple of months we've been trying to arrange this haven't we and there's been lots of things getting in the way so yeah. it's really good to finally catch up with you and I was thinking actually before coming on the call today it's so nice to talk to people who work in the sports world and mm. in the coaching world the training world because um you know we'll probably talk about this a little bit in in a moment um but I guess that generally sits outside of my usual I guess client space but there's so, so much connection between sport coaching and the work I do and I love hearing about your work so I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah no me too I mean so for, for the listeners um, we met because we were on a panel for delivery talking about re resilience and I was blown away by listening to Cornelia's background and what she's been doing and just so much insight so I'm thankful that you've, you've you know, got the time because I know how busy you are um, to come on and kind of share some of your gems with, with the listeners. But by way of introduction, I guess, can you just kind of give um, the guys that listen to the podcast a bit more about yourself, your background? Because, you know, I've seen different titles and, and, and obviously uh, likewise that, you, you know, that you're the founder of, but it'd be great to kind of get um, some insight. Yeah, sure. Definitely, uh, Ben. And um so it's always an interesting question because I, I guess my work straddles different worlds. So I am a leadership psychologist um, by, if, if you want kind of in a short summary, um, but actually what that means is I do a lot of work around leadership development and developing leaders, you know, individuals, teams, um, whole kind of organization systems for, I guess, mental and emotional performance. Uh -huh. So it could be supporting like a small organization, developing um, their managers or their leaders with their behaviors that bring the best out of their colleagues around them, or it could be working with a charity to develop their well-being approach and how they're going to improve their well-being and resilience. So I kind of do both the leadership development side and also the psychology side. So I've got the joy of being both a consultant and a psychologist. So I bring those two worlds together in my work. Um, and obviously, I think you and I were connecting on this before, but um, I'm also a coaching psychologist. So I'm yeah. really fascinated with coaching and how we get the best from people. And my kind of branch of psychology, because there's so many different branches, is about positive psychology. And mm. that is about op optimal functioning. So there's a massive connection between that and sport psychology. Um, it's all about, you know, how do we as individuals bring the best out of ourselves, but also bring the best out of people around us, whether that's in a team or whether that's in like an organization or a system. So I've been really privileged to spend, I guess the last kind of decade really exploring through research and practice, what does it look like 
to optimally function, to be at our best as an individual or as a team or, or as an organization. And I just, yeah, I'm fascinated by it. And I absolutely love the work that I do. And I think, you know, over the last year and a half and this craziness that we've all been going through with the pandemic, yeah. I, um, yeah, I feel really grateful to do the work that I do and try and support and help share what we know from science and psychology um, into what brings the best out of us. Well, I think that's what kind of um, got me when, when I heard you speaking before, you know, the science element, but also, um, you know, I'm a big, big um, believer in coaching. Um, and I, I often say, you know, to, to our academy, you know, students that personal training is, is just, it's so in line with coaching. And when I went and did some formal education on coaching with the fantastic Barefoot um, Coaching Academy, yeah, um, yeah. which was, which was mind blowing. It, it, it literally changed my life doing that with them post-grad. And I always said to trainers, you know, if you really want to get that insight into how you can help your, your clients go and start to, you know, study more and, and, and see more about it. But going back to then COVID-19, I was thinking this this morning, you know, COVID-19, meaning 2019, <laughs> now in, we're now going into February, 2021, right? And I feel um, that also there's still a lot of fitness professionals out there, especially that are still kind of thinking, well, we'll get back to normal soon, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where I wanted to kind of touch base with you also on, firstly, how have you been with COVID-19? Uh, and, you know, what are the key things that you kind of find that people are struggling with? And these people are obviously then mm. clients of what, what fitness professionals are dealing with. Yeah, definitely. Well, big question. And mm -hmm. so many avenues, I guess, to go down on that. And I think going back to your point about just how long this time period has been, I guess, really draws our attention to resilience yes. and motivation and how do we keep going when things are really tough? And where, you know, sometimes we've experienced that in the past in moments or minutes or short spells, this has been a kind of prolonged, you know, 12, 14, 15 months now of losing track of time. Um, and I guess what's really interesting about this experience is we've been going through it at the same time as all of our clients have been going through it, right? So we can kind of really identify, truly empathize and understand what's, mm -hmm. what's going on. So in terms of how it's, I guess, affected me, um, it's really interesting because there is no, I guess, exact way to describe that. It has been a big uh, roller coaster of emotions, I would say. Um, I think from the moment, you know, we all kind of got locked down back in March 2020, that was a real kind of, well, what's going on here moment. Um, and so that was really interesting because as a psychologist, when something like that happens, you're used to really reading the room and looking at people and looking for, okay, what's going on here? How are people experiencing things? How are they reacting? And so it was like, this is going to sound really odd, but for me, it's been really curious and fascinating to watch everything <laughs> I've kind of learned and studied and explored play out in people's reactions so explicitly and also just in myself like I've had ups and downs and what does this mean like one day I want to tear my hair out one day I'm feeling really like driven and pumped and I need to get results I need to get things done 
And it's like trying to kind of understand why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling or thinking the way that I'm thinking. And it's just such a, like a uh, natural reaction to change or transition. Yeah. Um, and obviously with that change and transition, there's going to be natural dips in motivation and energy. So I guess I've been kind of thinking, you know, on a personal level, but also with people that I've connected with and, and that I've been, you know, who I've been working with, you know, from ongoing clients that I've been working with for a long time to kind of new clients is, well, how do I stay grounded when everything around me is, you know, constantly changing? Yeah. But how do I also set, stay focused? So how do I stay grounded? How do I stay focused? And how do I keep my energy up and stay motivated? So I'm constantly, I guess, checking in on those things, right? Am I grounded right now? Am I focused? Um, you know, am I, am I motivated? Am I driven? Mm. And I'm just constantly, I guess, judging what I need at any given moment. And what does my client in front of me need? You know, what is their energy like today? How are they feeling? How can I kind of sense check how they're feeling? And how am I then going to tail tailor my response to that individual or that team based on their energy levels? Yeah. Um, so really interesting. But I, I guess yeah. the first question I'd have is, you know, just thinking about some of my clients, you know, how do you mm. how do you bring that that kind of self-awareness in with your clients to, to actually make mm. that decision or have that? Yeah, that self-awareness yeah. to, to think about those questions, you know, how am I feeling mm. or how am I going to stay focused? Do you have certain tactics that you do do with, with um, clients? Yeah, and, and really good question, Ben. So I guess, you know, I'm really lucky that that is something that I insist on working on in the beginning, the self-awareness piece. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I guess comes at the start of everything I do is kind of assessing, okay, how, and look, this is a massive journey that I'm going on. I can't say that yeah. I'm massively self-aware. Like I'm constantly learning and evolving. I think we all are, right? But when I'm working with clients, I kind of totally, um, and it's a life, it's a life's journey. And I think when I'm working with a client, that's what I probably start with trying to get a sense of at the beginning, you mm -hmm. know, how self-aware is this person in front of me or this team in front of me or this organization? Yeah. So I will have different ways to I guess assess that and benchmark it. And okay, if this is where that person's at, what do they then need? And, you know, I talk to people about self-awareness, educate them. Um, I, the kind of the starting point I always have is very psychological mm. um, and it's always giving a bit of psycho education around the brain because Obviously, we go to school, we get taught about maths, English, science, whatever. Um, no one really stops to say, hang on a second, you've got all of these like muscles, organs uh, in your body. And um, so I quite often start with a bit of psychoeducation. Yeah. You know, as I'm sure, you know, whenever I've worked with a great, um, great coach who's kind of trained me, personal trainer, they will teach me a little bit about yeah. what I don't know about my body about my fitness etc so I always I guess start with you know we've got these two different um parts of our brain we've got that kind of cognitive evolved beautiful sophisticated knows how to behave part of our brain yeah and then we've got like the reptilian oldest part of our brain 
um, that is just, you know, can be all over the place and is just, you just don't know what it's going to get up to from one day to the next. And you've got the two of them trying to work together to support one another. So I always, I guess, start with talking to people about the fact that we have these two different parts of our brain. And I spend a lot of time focusing on, I guess, the emotional part of our brain and looking at the systems within that emotional part of our brain that have to be supported and yeah. have to be nurtured and have to be looked after. Um, and so I'm always raising people's self-awareness and that basically that emotional part of our brain has three massive drivers. And I kind of talk to people a lot about the, like driving a car, having three different mm -hmm. gears, because you've got the, the part of your emotional brain that's doing everything it can to protect you from danger, to keep you alive. You've got the part of your emotional brain that's doing everything it can to make you survive and have a really yeah. good life and feel motivated. And you've got the other part of your emotional brain that is, is trying desperately to feel looked after, recovered, get energy and feel connected to people around us. And those three, I guess, functional parts of our emotional brain need us to be aware of them, to look after them, to nurture them so that they stay in balance. Yeah, because it's, it's only when those parts yeah it's so interesting because it's only when those parts are kind of looked after that your more sophisticated parts of your brain you know that the, the neocortex can really like engage and do the stuff that we need to do as 21st century human beings yeah um so yeah so i always kind of start that's my kind of starting point when it comes to self-awareness and then do you find that i mean i find personally i mean obviously i you know i wouldn't go into those depths because that's out of my um my realm but certainly yeah, yeah. you know when speaking to clients that are just starting off um and you start to talk about you know the importance of recovery the importance of self-awareness it's almost as if we've been taught since an early age that when you know we're not we don't have these biological things that happen we don't have these you know reactive things <laughs> yeah. that our body you know will adapt to yeah. um you know i was yeah. i was working with a client not so long ago about you know just let's look at your dysfunctional breathing you know you don't breathe properly and that has a huge effect on yeah. your nervous system and you know his response was well i breathe every day you know um and it's so interesting because it's true. You do breathe every day, but, but that doesn't mean that you're breathing <laughs> optimally and it doesn't mean you're adding stress. So it's so interesting that you then can go that extra layer um, to kind of how you can get that information. And would you do that, you know, thinking about the guys listening, you know, would you do that from a point of a consultation? Is it a form? You know, any nuggets that some of the guys could start trying to dive a bit deeper, not too deep, but like we mentioned, you know, but you know, would they, yeah. is there questionnaires and things like that? Really good question. And I think there is different ways you can do that. And I think what you're saying there, I guess a couple of things I want to pick up on is one is, you know, what do I feel comfortable doing as a yeah. professional, depending on my area of expertise? So where's Excellent. my boundary? Yeah. And, and also then, okay, if this is my boundary, um, how can I, you know, still go deeper within my boundary? And I would like, you know, encourage everybody, I guess, can, can read about this, learn about this, understand a bit more about the brain. And, you know, there's different, 
there's different books um you know everything from that famous you know chimp paradox um yeah. book that i'm sure you, you've heard of there's like a whole range of different books which maybe we can link into um this podcast yeah and there's nothing wrong with i guess like for me it's not necessarily about a form or or like sitting down and going through a form although you know i do tend to kind of draw it out i like to draw things visually i like to draw these three yeah. different systems just to yep. kind of show people okay these are the different parts and they're kind of like a pie chart they need balance and if mm -hmm. one of them gets over out of balance then it's going to get into you know we're going to get into trouble we're going to get stuck and um, mm -hmm. we're not going to feel great but i guess um for me it's the art of storytelling and i know that you know talking to you ben and lots of coaches and, and anyone listening to, to this podcast you will have your own kind of story to tell clients and narrative to explain things and essentially most 99.9% .9 of people don't necessarily want the deep science but they want to just have an initial awareness and they just need you to do exactly what you were just saying about the breathing and the dysfunction of the breathing to say look I have this bit of knowledge that I'm going to share with you that's going to help you but what you need to realize as a client is we're not educated to understand this stuff and you You've kind of got to trust me and you've got to roll with it because you know i'm the one that's got this bit of knowledge right here that i'm yes. going to use to support you and i think yeah. there was someone um on your podcast and forgive me my my um was it ryan that was on your last um i can't remember richie. anyway an amazing richie sorry thank you yeah, yeah richie, richie was talking about gas and um, you know his poor breathing as like a you know as a, as a rugby player and gassing and mm. you know like it's it is so interesting because we you know every client we work with has their own realm of knowledge and expertise and everyone brings experience and expertise into the room of any conversation and all we're trying to do as professionals i guess is just say look there's this little nugget that i've got to share with you that you're not going to be aware of necessarily because you haven't come across this and depending on how much knowledge that person has we can kind of add to it or build on their frame of reference with it yeah yeah um that's really interesting yeah no it's fascinating um and there's so much um positiveness that that some of the you know the trainers can start adding to their to their clients so i i, I wanted to touch base also um obviously this last yeah like how long has it been now you know 12 months let's say 12 months <laughs> there's been yeah a huge boom in um, digital fitness, which kind of led me to kind of start this podcast. But one thing um, yeah. has kind of stood out from having the digital fitness element um, that's missing, let's say, is the mm. connection piece uh, and that social mm. connection and the importance of community. Mm. So could you just maybe explain, you know, what is social connection and, and, and why it's so important for us as human beings? Yeah, and I love that you're asking this. Them because I think it's hugely underestimated by a huge part of the population and it goes back to what we've been talking about is this maybe lack of awareness around what our body needs and what we need as, as human beings um, so why is social connection important I guess it's it's as important as oxygen to um our lungs and it's as important as uh, food is to our survival going back to i guess thinking about those parts of our emotional brain so we've got these three systems i'm going to just refer to them i guess as the threat system the drive system 
the recovery system yeah. and the threat system doing everything it can to keep us alive you know responds to all sorts of stress the the drive system doing everything it can for us to feel motivated to get up to do stuff the recovery system which is where the social connection piece comes in has two functions so we've got this really important part of our brain that has two really key requirements one is to have its energy topped back up and the other is to feel socially connected with other human beings mm -hmm. because we are ultimately social primates like we have evolved because of social connection and without that social connection it's sad times really sad times on so many different levels i don't think we yeah. we, we just can't survive and basically, I think, yeah, I've, again, why I've been really fascinated about the lockdown is the impact not seeing people we love, care about has had on us. But yeah. it's not just about the people we love and care about. It's about the bus driver, the guy sweeping the roads. It's about the person in, you know, the local shop where you pop in and have a chat. We need not just connection with our family and friends, we need ongoing interspersed connection throughout our day in order to have the right amount of energy yeah. in order to optimally function. So we need the social connection in order to be at our best. And I don't know about you, but I don't think any of us have been at our, our full best um, you know, through, through the lockdown period. We know, know that yeah. we're just surviving, really. We're just trying to get by. Um, and it's so important and it's really interesting thinking about it from kind of digital fitness and I've been actually experimenting with this because you know I've worked with personal trainers I've tried all the apps etc etc and the like, the apps they are great like having something where you're not um, I guess committed to a time uh, you don't have accountability things like that they're, they're easy they're cheap but they just don't have the same impact as having social connection with another human being yeah. can have. Um, so yeah, it's just so crucial. And, you know, I was thinking about, I knew you'd, you and I kind of often talk about this, but if we think about the massive mental, I guess, health crisis, we've got, yeah. you know, nationally and internationally, one of the key things that's been identified that's having a massive effect on people is the lack of social connection. Um, anyone who's interested in this, there's a really great book called Lost Connection, which explores this, Brilliant. which is all about how we desperately need connection. Lost Connection. I'll add that into the session notes, um, guys that are listening. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned about the fitness apps. Now, of course, I'm I'm always investigating this with with the remote coach platform being <laughs> a digital digital app. But the way that... Yeah. Um, and I also love just asking questions of people using them and, and hearing what their experience is. And I think, like you said, there's this huge gap. Um, and that's mm -hmm. why also we started this podcast because so many trainers were so fearful thinking, oh my God, you know, am I going to have a job? Am I going to be replaced? Because we yeah. hear about the different digital offerings. And I think yeah. the, good, the good thing that's come out of this, I actually... Um, think that we can grow as, as a as a fitness industry is that there's a huge gap between the pelotons you know the 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 media that's exceptional you know you're in you're on your bike and you've had this great experience within the session um, yeah. but then you get off the session you've got no one to speak to you're not no one to tell that you had a great workout right and this is exactly mm -hmm. what someone 
had mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago, but the same on the mm. other end of the spectrum, and that's quite a premium, you know, to get a Peloton bikes cost you, you know, mm. a fair bit of money. Yeah. Then, you, then you have the yeah. free apps, you know, so again, yeah. the content is great. So, you're, you know, you've got that motivational piece when you actually open the app. Um, but there's nothing like someone opening or having a call or a session and saying hello, you know, and that's what I think us as fitness professionals really need to focus on is Mm. that, you know, there's always going to be a place for people that need people. Um, and it's so good that you, you know, that you, you say that, because I think it will give people listening to this thinking, you know, I've got, yes, there's, there's a place for me in this. Oh, hugely, completely and utterly. And, you know, I was, Think about this too as you know psychologists people you know will psychologists be replaced with robots one day yeah. so it's you know it's yeah. a fear that kind of crosses everywhere and i mean ai is incredible and it's getting better all the time and i really i love technology i love the advances of technology and i think there's a massive place for for those advances in ai but you can't replace the true experience of being with another human being and that is because of this emotional function of our brain yeah we need this human social connection and it's funny because if we were if we were robots or if we purely had rational functioning and we purely acted out of the cognitive layer of our brain our neocortex we would easily be fooled by another robot talking to us but we can't be because we have this emotional brain which is which just knows that it's not the same thing and knows it needs more than you know kind of artificial response yeah well i saw an interesting study not too long ago um and it was it was just highlighting um you know they were calling it social contract and and the the point being that the nhs started to they were having a huge problem with people not turning up to appointments um so nhs for the international listeners is our medical um industry or service here in, in the yeah. UK but you know and then they had these posters within within the GP surgery which said you know d- don't be don't be late but obviously the only people that were seeing that were the people that were going to to the <laughs> exactly. uh, to the um, appointments so they literally just turned um, a slight piece of um, communication around where they asked the receptionists that were booking the appointments to ask the you know the individuals whether they would let them know, you know, if they were going to not turn up to the appointment. And even just having that communication, mm. that, that I'm not going to let another human being down rather than booking Definitely. it online Definitely. was a huge impact, you know, huge mm. impact. So it just shows that we innately have this, this connection with other human beings, even the ones that we maybe don't know. Yeah. Um, and so with that, you know, for, for a fitness professional uh, and looking at kind of what people are doing at the moment is, you know, does it need to be a face-to-face meeting? Can they do it through audio? Is it messaging? What's, what, what are the kind of tactics that trainers can use to create that social connection or, you know, improve yeah. it? Yeah, really, uh, so many different things. And I'm sure people listening, you know, have so many different strategies and techniques that they're using. I think it's about, you know, you've drawn attention there to then the accountability piece. So how do I kind of add language in that shows I'm accountable to another human being? So I think there's a whole host of different things we can do. And there's a really interesting um, behavioral psychology unit in the UK. I don't know if you've heard of them called the nudge unit, which do all sorts of things Mm -hmm. in order to, I guess, nudge behavior. So I guess what we need to do is think, how can we add in social nudges? 
So how can I make sure um, my client knows that I care about them, that I hold them in mind? Because I think, you know, we will, Ben, you'll be thinking about a client. I'm constantly thinking about a client. And I think it's about being explicit about the fact that I'm intentionally thinking about them, thinking about their progress, wondering how they're getting on and not just kind of holding that in and being implicit about it, but actually articulating that. So we have a thing, you know, in psychology about kind of um, holding people in mind and letting them know that. So I will, you know, maybe drop a text to a client or an email if I've seen something that I think will interest them. Here's a kind of piece that came up in our discussion today. Why don't you look at this? Tell me what you think. Or I might just WhatsApp them something I've seen. And I think it's all that kind of holding in mind helps us feel connected and safe um, as human beings. So I think there's, I guess there's lots of things we can do. And um, I was kind of like thinking about stuff to share with you today. And I think how can we also like boost the positive emotions of the people we're around? Um, and we can do that on two levels, I think, as, as coaches working with clients. Uh, we can do that on a um, high positive emotion. So how can we express like gratitude for what someone is doing? You know, I really appreciate how you've pushed yourself today. I really appreciate that you've just chucked yourself in, you pushed yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, how can I also just say, you know, I noticed that strength in you when you were doing that today that I was really impressed by so that people can see it's almost like we need to more intentionally hold up the mirror of the strengths that we're seeing back at the person that we're working with. And I think that helps people feel connected and engaged in the moment, but also just, you know, between sessions or between conversations, letting someone know we're continuing to hold them in mind through text messages, through emails, um, however it is that we have communication set up with our client. Yeah. Um, so important. I, yeah, it is. It is really, it's really important. And I think it's also about, for me, and where I think we have a massive USP as coaches, as human beings, real life human beings, is, you know, also going back to the words you use, social contracts, discussing with my client or who I'm working with like how shall we keep our communication going how shall we keep our connection going what is it that you value and also using that to tailor the type of support that we offer because some people don't want a whatsapp message they've had enough of whatsapp messages some people want an email some people want a picture want a photo like one of my clients I was working with him um and he was trying to work towards getting more of a kind of work-life balance and we were talking about all the different ways he could do that and he was going to clear out his garage and build his own gym and you know uh, and just one day I woke up and in my email inbox there was a picture of his punch bag that he'd set up in his garage and I was just like you made my day like by just seeing that it makes me so happy but I could have just not shared that information I could have just been like okay cool you know but it's about actually, no, we need to more intentionally express how we're feeling, thinking, and sharing that back with our client yes. and keeping it going. And it's not a very British thing, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what? It's not a British thing. It's also not a um, cultural thing in so many different countries. Because I think we often say it was a British, like, stiff upper lip thing. But actually... One thing that I find hugely fascinating uh, in um, psychology is something called the negativity bias. Okay. So we have a bias to be negative. Yeah. So we we have, um, within our kind of, going back to the emotional brain, our threat system 
is doing everything it can to look out for any sense of danger or threat to us. Yeah. So we automatically lean towards thinking negatively about stuff. And there's a famous study by um, a researcher, Baumeister, called Bad is Stronger Than Good. So bad experiences have a massive, massive more feeling impact on us than good positive experiences. And I'll tell you why this is important in a moment, but those bad experiences really stand out. So we consciously as coaches who are trying to promote optimal functioning need to tip the bias. So we need to have a positivity bias in order to help our clients that we work with. Yeah. Now it might feel not initially natural, but I guarantee you, once you start doing more of this, once you start pushing the kind of positive um, encourage, encouraging champion and support, and you'll know this yourself then people adapt to it. They enjoy it. They grow from it. Yeah. And, um, the, you know, the, the negativity bias, you know, it's kind of works against us in, in many ways when it comes to social connection, because for us to grow and for us to learn and for us to push ourselves out of our comfort zone, we need to have more positive communication and more positive interaction than negative interaction. And there's some really famous studies into relationships between human beings, which look at what the ratio should be. So for every negative interaction we have, we need to have at least five positive interactions in order to recover and get back to, I guess, zero wow. in order to move forward. So, you know, going back to if I'm kind of giving someone kind of feedback or constructive criticism about something, you know, something to do with their self-awareness, a blind spot they've not noticed, I will give some feedback on that thing that's not going well. And I'll be really crystal clear about that. But I'll also back it up with five other things that are going really well because I need to motivate the person that I'm working with in both directions. Yeah. I need to counteract it with positive information or it's not going to land and it's not going to fully motivate. It might land momentarily, but trust me, the relationship will wear out further down the line. Yeah, that's powerful because my question was going to be, you know, does frequency of the connections matter? Um, so that, that obviously dives into a bit of that but I think you know some trainers um, and or fit pros you know they, they also think oh I've got to do you know all of this for my 20-30 clients mm -hmm. and you know I think the first thing is you probably already do anyway to a certain Definitely. degree um, and you know I was chatting to, to a coach the other day a really good coach as well that you know, a lot of his communication is just emojis, you know, and it makes his clients day, you know, so it doesn't need to be hugely thought out. It's just showing that you care. And, and, you know, and when you are thinking of them, like you said, I guess that's the takeaway, you know, make sure that they know you're thinking about them mm. um, or how yeah. they're getting on. That's, that's yeah. really interesting. And I think, I guess going to that point, because I think it is a really good point because people's energy levels, emotional levels, you know, do I have to do all this additional work? I'd kind of change, change your mindset on that a little bit. And it's something that, you know, I've worked on as well is actually me giving others positive encouragement, reinforcement, me kind of have adding more positive communication into my life actually yeah. brings me energy yeah. and it brings me motivation. And it, I get feedback on the feedback that I'm giving. So if I send yeah. that emoji, I get an emoji back. Or if I send that picture, I get something yes, back of course. and it becomes a kind of virtuous cycle. 
Um, yeah. So it, it works both ways and it's amazing the energy that we get back from our clients as well when we, when we really kind of get on board and feel authentic with it. Yeah, it's nothing better than your clients um, achieving goals, right? Because you just get that, that energy boost. So what about the trainers that are working um, with, say, groups? You know, is there anything that you could touch on when, you, when you've got a, a group client base? Yeah, yeah, really interesting. So I work a lot with teams, Ben, and I love it. And it's kind of a growing part of my practice. And I've just got to say, like, the work I do with teams, I'm learning so much from sports psychology so I imagine like all of your coaches are doing a lot of amazing work with mm -hmm. this anyway. And, and like you said, I think sometimes we're just not, we're not um, conscious of the good stuff that we're doing. Um, yeah. But in terms of working with teams, I guess we're always striving to make the team greater than the sum of its parts. So we're always yeah. trying to, I guess, exceed performance by making, you know, if it's six leaders that we're working with in a team I'm trying to make those six leaders the equivalent to you know seven leaders when they're working together yeah. but what can quite often happen in a team is you can have six leaders becoming the equivalent of three leaders working together because there's a lack of unity and there's a lack mm -hmm. of cohesion so what I'm constantly trying to do and we can think about this you know in terms of football is like you know help that 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 group of players play well together as a team so it's all about strengths yeah. but it goes back to you know how we started this conversation the self-awareness piece because yeah. it moves when you're working in a team you're moving from self-awareness to other awareness so i know not only need to know myself really well i need to know others really well and that obviously starts with the self-awareness and then you build on the other awareness so in that that sense i'm thinking okay well, well how do i know others well the way i emotionally regulate as a human being so the way i recover or the way i motivate myself will be different to the way you recover or motivate yourself then so every kind of coach listening to this will have different ways they recover and motivate themselves there will be lots of commonality and there will be lots of shared ways of doing that but in a team or in a group we need to kind of get to know one another to support one another to bring the best out of ourselves so how do we yeah. play to our strengths so you know drawing on those strengths calling those strengths out um, and just helping people to elevate the performance of each other is going to be critical in doing that yeah gosh and other other awareness you know other people's awareness so powerful it's it, and it can make such a difference, you know, with the studios, um, we, you know, I, I think we, we tried to, to do things first and foremost, um, where we were just giving our clients what we thought was value. But as soon as we started to add in, you know, additional time in, in, in sessions where they could actually communicate with each other, you know, and you suddenly hear um, clients calling out to other clients, you know, through a virtual session was really fascinating because like you said it's those those other little touching points that create that connection mm, um, yeah. amazing so with then um fitness professionals that are listening what would you say is the the first or, or the top two to three things they could do to um get started with trying to you know build more connection with their clients mm. or their clients to clients yeah top two things so I guess my number one would be increasing levels of communication in a way that work both for the coach and the client and increasing the positivity 
of the communication. So being intentional about shifting that negativity bias because it's going to help you as a coach, it's going to help the client that you're working with. Um, so how can I elevate my positive communication through things like gratitude, savoring the session that we had, like calling out how good it was for us, spotting strengths and what I've seen or noticed in a session or moving forward. Um, just continuing that positive uh, communication. And I guess the other thing is we're always looking in, in sport coaching and, and the work that I do to creating sustainable behavior change. So how can I also make those um, ongoing positive communication, uh, you know, between sessions or between conversations, help nudge towards the behavior change that the person yeah. wants to see? And I guess, you know, we want to reinforce the successes. So what's been going well, what's going well, isn't that great? Kind of keep that up. And then also um, kind of push and stretch out of the comfort zone to try something to push oneself forward even more in building behavior change. Um, Maybe challenges so, and things like that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's about, it could be small challenges. Um, it could be building on what you've already done and strengthening that. And I think it's, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier on, I think you need to also contract for that a little bit with your client and agree like what's going to be really helpful. Um, so <laughs> I remember once uh, working with an amazing trainer and um, being asked to kind of send pictures of my food. And, you know, it was so great because she was brilliant at working with me. We had a fantastic relationship, but it was just, it was a step too far for me. <laughs> so I had to kind of like say, look, I'm not sending pictures of my food because I don't want a guilt trip every time I eat that, you know, that thing that I shouldn't be eating. So we, she was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Totally. She was like, oh, just send me a list of like what you're doing. So yeah. I think that there's that negotiation piece um, but with each other. Like, what is it that we want to kind of share between sessions and, and conversations? But I think it's all about that positive support um, and sometimes that positive support is also about just saying give yourself a break like if you're feeling that you just can't do that today sometimes the best thing you need to do is rest and accept that and just be Very comfortable important. with that so um yeah yeah no that's so so important I think just to add on that you know um, when I was starting out as a trainer um, a really experienced trainer at the time said to me that you know, sometimes there's more important things than, you know, than your training regime and, and everything. And sometimes those things are just being, you know, being a human, whatever it is. Um, yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. But Cornelia, thank you so much for taking the time. Really enjoyed this. There's so many um, gems in there and, and nuggets of information that people can take away. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much, Ben. Always a pleasure to talk to you and I look forward to continuing these conversations.